Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gambit Podcast. This is a Territory War and Grand Arena-focused podcast. We are about to enter the fourth week of Grand Arena in Season 7. Uh, I am Solo Base 15 I'm here with my good friend, Zareth. Zareth, how are you tonight? Doing well, Solo. Thanks for asking. I'm, uh, I'm having fun with Grand Arena, as, <laughs> as may be expected. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well, uh, as well. Uh, Grand Arena has been going well. I've been having some success. I know you've been having some success, so it always feels better when that's true. It's true. You know, it's funny, success, it occurs to me as you say that, success is like, half of it is, is the word suck. <laughs> well that that's normally it uh, <laughs> so you can you can absolutely go uh you can you can go through uh you know the motions of if you say success enough times then if you start to have the opposite of success you're still used to saying half of that so <laughs> <laughs> your your verbal pathways uh, can you know, it lead, leads to the same place. You actually, if it, if in the life sucks, you have to say you can even say less. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we're uh, right now. We have no need for any of that kind of discussion because, as you say, we've we've been successful, and uh, Galactic Legend Life has uh, treated us well, at least so far. It has. And we'll talk about it later, but I'm actually, Galactic Legend Life is quite exciting for me at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to hear the things you have to say about Galactic Legends. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to discuss, though, this week. We had the Q&A. We had, uh, since our last episode, we also had the Mandalorian kit reveal. And uh, so why don't we first, why don't we just talk about the Mandalorian kit? We already talked about grief and... Kara. Um, so, what what were your thoughts on the Mandalorian? Uh, I'm very excited to play with him. <laughs> that, that was my first thought. Um, you know, he's set up basically to constantly get crits, constantly do damage, and then eventually, if you set it up right, annihilate people. Um, which is a lot of fun to play with. I will say it's going to make going up against these bounty hunters scary again because you have the Boba Execute, you have Django who, when he's relict and he uses that second ability, just massacres people. And now you have, you know, what is basically an annihilate with uh, the Mandalorian. So, uh, it's, you have to kill them quick, basically. That, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, there, there's suddenly uh, a limited time frame where you can actually operate. And, uh, like, grief, grief and his kit go really well together. Um, I remember our initial talk, you were saying that his leadership was underwhelming. And uh, <laughs> it, it was just kind of funny because... 
you know, when I looked, I was like, really? They're only, he only gives plus five speed to his team. And, and then a little bit later, it came out that uh, they had just forgotten to post uh, the, the tier eight version of his leadership. So <laughs> the, they were only showing the tier one, um, and which, which made it considerably better, of course. But yeah, his leadership offers a lot. So uh, without just reading the kit completely verbatim, you know, the really what's what's going on is the Mandalorian wants crit uh, damage and crit chance. He, he needs he needs those buffs uh, in order to do some of the things he likes to do. But uh, otherwise, he also uh, you you need to get crits on with his leadership. I think. Let's see. Let me just look at it. So if you so you have uh, in order to even work toward your contract, your character has to be buffed, and then uh, if you're buffed, you need to cause uh, while while your uh, character who's acting is buffed, you need to cause uh, twenty crits to be able to get his contract, and then immediately that unlocks the Mando's ability to annihilate someone. Um, but beyond that, he also gives all of the other bounty hunters, if it's a full bounty hunter squad, it gives them all 20% uh, offense for each. So 100% uh, offense each. Uh, they just eat, they all get their offense doubled, basically. And uh, their health steal goes up to 100% as well, which is going to be crazy. They're going to be really resilient once they get that contract. Yeah, they're going to be... Um... They're going to be interesting. That's I, I'm actually excited. When we first started this podcast, we had the rule of bounty hunters must always be used on offense to get 60 banners. And, you know, over time, that kind of fell by the wayside just because other stronger teams popped their heads up. Um, I'm excited that on this podcast, we get to start saying you got to start using bounty hunters again. <laughs> that's true you know we we did kind of have that rule of you know uh, because you know and it wasn't completely unreasonable of us to say that at the time uh because there weren't as many great defensive teams out there bounty hunters just had more uh offensive flexibility like they the percentage of teams that they could counter was just way better than uh than it was than it had been in the or than it is now, I guess I, sh I should say. Like, Bounty Hunters now can counter a few good teams, but for the most part, you know, even like if you see, even if you see like Old Republic or something, you you don't you don't necessarily think immediately, oh, my Bounty Hunters beat that. They can, but you got to be careful because Bosk can taunt and like he eventually will get so many dots on him that he'll just die if you don't have the right setup. Um, you know, so... On offense, they're kind of limited. On on defense, you know, they're they're still pretty good right now. They steal banners. They have a lot of different setups uh, that could be useful. But uh, yeah, they're. I'm excited, as you say. We can actually probably start using them on offense, though. I, I assume that on defense, they might be okay as well, though. But time will tell. Yeah, with them on defense, it's just a question of are they smart enough to get the um, the payout quick and get Mando his disintegrate ability. 
because you never you never really know when a team is being used on defense with by the AI. Right. Well, that's just the thing. We'll have to we'll have to watch some videos and mock a lot of people for their ineptitude before we finally get the real the real <laughs> truth on on how he's used. Um, one thing I do want to point out about his kit, though, uh, that I think is is important is so it, it talks about how you need to be buffed in order for this to uh, in order for uh, you to work toward your contract. One awesome thing that I think a lot of people will maybe miss initially is uh, so he gets uh, Bounty Hunter's Resolve, which that doesn't matter as much because he doesn't have an AoE, so his crits don't matter as much. But uh, that Bounty Hunter's Resolve is a buff, and just because it can't be dispelled is still a buff. And uh, so so Django and Boba, who each do have their AoEs, uh, they have they have a buff as well. So they're immediately eligible to start working on this contract and they could get 10 crits if you have it, if you have their crit uh, chance high enough. Yeah. And so it sounds like the AI can't really screw it up because they always start off with the Django and Boba AOEs. (laughs) Um, But who knows? Right. Well, and yeah, who who knows? But uh, one way or another, whether it's for defense or offense, I guess my main point here is um, you can start working on that contract immediately. Like you don't. I've heard. I've seen a few people say things like, "Oh man, well it's going to take a long time to get that contract because first you got to get all the bounty hunters buffed, and then you can start working toward it." And the truth is, all you have to do, you get. Uh, you start with those three bounty hunters with bounty hunter resolve and you're already ahead of the curve on that at least. So it's true. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. I, I mean, in an ideal world, it's like you could honestly, you could get, you could get that contract. If you get all the speeds set up right and everything, like if you do, if you go like this, you go Bosk goes first and does his uh, taunt so so then it buffs everyone, puts offense up on everyone. Then uh, Django or Boba, they both go. Bosk gets another turn uh, and calls everyone to assist. And so that's up to seven shots because Django and Bosk can both shoot twice uh, on certain conditions. Uh, and then if Grief goes, if he's on the team, he can call everyone to assist and get another seven shots. So you have uh, you have four. You have 10 total attempts with it with AOEs from Boba and Jingo. You have uh, up to 14 attempts, uh, attempted shots with uh, the swarm attacks, with the mass assist attacks. And so you could potentially have your contract before Mandalorian even takes a turn. <laughs> that, that would be a fantastic way to play it. Um, imagine a first turn disintegrate. Like, I, I really think, I don't know how practical it is to actually set it up like that, but, like, I really think that it's, it's, it's possible. Like, maybe you have to, maybe it's not worth the effort to make that work, but for sure you can get it by his second turn if you set it up right. Right. And he's given everyone plus 20 speed, so, like, that, that team's going to be relatively quick. I, I'm excited to see. I, I want to try... 
I want to try all sorts of things. If anyone wants to um, fund me to wail out <laughs> and get get Mandalorian and uh, grief up to Gear Thirteen, I will. I will love you forever, and uh, I'll I'll make like twenty eight videos about it <laughs> about them. We're holding so, him to that now. Twenty eight videos or nothing. If someone wants to fund me for both of those characters, I will absolutely do that. <laughs> so, anyways, um, spread the word. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of lot of promising things about the Mandalorian, though, and uh, grief. Really excited. Less excited about Kara, though. I know that a few people that I really respect have said that uh, grief or that Kara is probably going to be good. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, see, I, I'm partially excited to see how she's going to do. So. Yeah, I am actually, I, I'm one of the ones that's excited to use her. Um, you know, my Kira team has been looking for an extra damage dealer. And so in three months when she becomes free-to-play farmable, it looks like Kira's finally going to get that extra damage dealer. That's true. Yeah. And I also enjoy, I, we talked about this last week, so we won't spend too much time on it, but I kind of feel like when the devs take the time and put out a truly interesting kit, which this is how she plays differently based on what team she's on, um, it almost makes me want to use that kit even more just to, I don't know, honor the fact that this is a fantastic kit and a brilliant idea and I want them to do it going forward on other kits. Yeah, well, then that's true. It's like, if if I could wail out on some of these, you know, just to give them feedback. I mean, that's expensive feedback, I guess, but... <laughs> You know, it's too expensive, frankly. I, I'm not going to do that. But, um, like, you know, that that's the reward. Like, I if I could, you know, I, and I think that that is that is actually feedback that they they, you know, that would tell them like, yeah, we we need to continue doing this. So, <laughs> right. Yes, that that's the test. Um, if I could wail out on these two character or these three characters, I would. But sadly. I cannot. So <laughs> they will sit understarred and undergeared for some time. Right. Well, yeah, and that's that's the sad part of it. But um, you know, yeah, I, I I'm excited. I actually think that potentially grief at least seems like he's going to be usable right out the gate because he starts with stealth. And he can get up to, you know, some people were taking screenshots on our Discord server. It seems like he, he can get up to uh, over 60K protection pretty easy, even at three stars. And at three stars, he's not going to have a high armor value. Like, he's still going to, still probably going to take one for the team pretty easy. He, like, <laughs> but it seems like he's going to be more usable uh, than other three-star characters. And... Frankly, Mandalorian is probably going to be useful too, because I mean I can't think of another character that was more useful at three stars than Nihilus when he was first out. 
like you, you get him up to gear 11 and you know at, at three stars and he was good to go you did not need stars on him because annihilate transcends that like it, there's no damage available that's just right. you you take out a character you can even actually someone was t- telling me today you can take out a character uh while they're in the galactic ray um aura of invulnerability oh really well. yeah like a nihilist just <laughs> strolls up he's like I don't care about that glowy crap and <laughs> take someone out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It brought me joy when I heard about that. <laughs> so um, anyways, we, we had the Mandalorian kit. We also had the Q and a, and frankly, I, I, so I've read certain parts of it. I've read excerpts that people have linked to me. I haven't read the whole thing. I just, with all this COVID stuff, my, my life, my schedule, it's just been in disarray and crazy. And um, so we're going to rely on the word of Solo alone <laughs> here, guys. It's a scary time. But uh, Solo, why don't you give us a couple uh, quick hitters on what, what the Q&A had to say. And I will interject my thoughts as <laughs> necessary. <laughs> so, uh, you know... This Q&A has really been a huge pet peeve of mine for the past week because of all of the people saying they didn't tell us anything or the only word that they used is no. And it's like, did you actually read this Q&A or did you just read like the four highlights and then watch somebody's video that ranted about how awful the game is and they want to quit the game and go play I don't know, Dragon Champions or some stupid stuff. Um, but so the two no's that we really did get is no sandbox mode because they flat out said it's too expensive for how much people are going to use it. And um, we're not, they're not going to give reworks of Rose Tico or Mace Windu. And they didn't say no, we're not going to do this. It's no, we're not going to do it right now, but we'd like to get to Mace eventually. Um, so those were the big no's. But what they did actually tell us, because they did give us a lot of information in this Q&A, is uh, they weren't focused on any guild stuff for the beginning of this year. It's mostly been solo gameplay. Uh, I don't know if you remember Q&A. It might have been the first Q&A or the second Q&A. This is back back over a year ago. They kind of said that they do their years in divisions. And it's like, for this segment of a year, we're going to work on guild gameplay. And for the next half of the year, we're going to work on solo gameplay and, you know, kind of alternate it that way. So they're in a solo-focused mode right now and with that said there's an announcement coming with the may the 4th celebration about a new game mode know nothing about it but we're getting something new um at least an announcement of something new next week based on the context clues it's probably going to be solo focused so you don't have to rely on your guild for it which i am truly hoping for because uh, 
raid times are hard enough to find. I don't want to have to struggle to hit another raid. <laughs> um, so thankfully, it's not going to be a raid. It's a new game mode. Uh, let's see. In terms of Grand Arena, they are aware that they need a new division in Grand Arena. They have said it's going to be coming. They're just waiting for X amount of people to reach the threshold before they even start to put in a new division uh, because they need the division populated enough that you're not just fighting the same people over and over again. Uh, One of the questions asked was, why do the uh, feats for Grand Arena extend into the next day's preview phase? They did give us an answer there, and the answer is basically well, we want to give people time to collect their reward if they can't be on right at the end of the attack phase, which makes sense. Um, let's see. They, yeah, I think, I think uh, that there's, um, I think that, that that's pretty interesting that they gave that response because actually I, I figured that would be something that they would never talk about, honestly. Um, yeah. And it, it makes sense. Like, I, I don't really care that it goes into it. People get mad because they think they have an extra day sometimes, uh, you know, an extra round of GAC, and then they don't. But, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. I think the thing that still kills me is why why do feats even have any bearing on, uh, like, our our total banners? Like, so the last mission we had, the last week, we had a a feat that – uh, it was like you have to use you have to use Millennium Falcon co-pilots, <laughs> and it's the finals. Like right. I, I was in the finals, and my guy didn't put down super strong defenses, but there wasn't any teams that I could be like, okay, well, like I, I even had my Kira team ready. I could have done it because I had L three Vandor and uh, uh, someone else in the squad. Now I'm now I'm spacing, but but. <laughs> Anyways, I, I had I had the right characters. Maybe it was Kira. Yeah, Kira was a co-pilot. She sat in that seat. So I had that team ready, but there wasn't a team I could actually beat. Like that, it wasn't practical at all. I needed my full Commander Luke team it, that didn't have the right pieces. So I don't know that. Anyways, I, I thought that was pretty dumb. But the fact that they answered why some of these extend further, I, I think that that's cool that they answered. Yeah, I agree. Um, When it comes to individual characters, they are just as annoyed with Houndstooth being in every fleet as we are, which made me happy to hear. They even hinted that we're going to see new bombers come in the future and expect them to be tanks to overtake uh, Houndstooth, Uh, you know. To, To overtake? Over tank Houndstooth, yes, yes, we will go fun filled this time. Um, but that that's good to hear, you know, because Houndstooth is quite frankly just annoying. I can beat it now, and I can get around it even if Anakin doesn't put the buff immunity on it. But to know that I'm not going to have to deal with it for another year is nice because there will be another new annoying tank. Um, (laughs) Let's be honest. That's what's going to happen. 
it's not that we're going to get something good. It's it's going to be another new and annoying tank that we have to deal with, uh, because that's just what fleet is. It's annoying tanks. You have bigs. You have houndstooth. Uh, that's that's the direction we're going. That's always been the direction. Which it is. actually, you know, I actually appreciate that they don't in fleet. They don't have way very many ways to dispel in in squad. It used to be like I'm not one of those glory day guys. Like man, we used to just have all you know. It used to be so much better back back when I was you know back back in the <laughs> game's prime. But one of the things that I do kind of miss about those days is uh, we back then we had uh, we had tanks that could actually go a couple turns without being dispelled. Like you could force people yeah. to actually hit your stormtrooper Han. And Correct. nowadays, you know, it, you know, I mean, it didn't last too long because like Nihilus came around with his, uh, you know, dispel on basic and, the, you know, but it, it's like impossible now that you have to, you have to use certain shenanigans like uh, Watt, you know, forcing the taunt. And even then you can get around that through a ton of ways. In ships, there aren't that many ways. Like you have to kind of be sneaky. You have to have a specific plan in mind. And I appreciate that they haven't, uh, they haven't added a ton of ways to dispel. Like they've added enough, but like taunting tanks are still a big problem in ships. And I think that actually makes it more interesting, frankly. Uh, for the most part, I agree with you. I'm just happy to hear that there's going to be a different taunting tank now. And, you know, the meta has been, or Houndstooth has been going for almost a year and a half at this point. Let's let's get something new in there. Right. Uh, well, and I agree. I I'm not I'm not saying that. Therefore, we should just keep uh, <laughs> Houndstooth as the meta tank. Like one of the reasons I'm excited to eventually be allowed to farm the B wing bomber is. I'm just excited to have that as a potential replacement so I could put Houndstooth somewhere else. Like it, it's, it's like, I just see all these different tanks as, you know, like, Oh, look at that. Here's a spot where I could potentially slot Houndstooth elsewhere because <laughs> Houndstooth is going to be useful in any fleet that you use. It doesn't matter what fleet it's going to be the starting tank on almost any of them besides maybe malevolence. Yeah. The, I, Biggest reason I like running Malevolence is because I don't need Houndstooth most of the time. Still sitting on my bench as in emergency reinforcement. Um, but I rarely use Houndstooth when I run Malevolence, which makes me happy. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So going back to this Q&A. Yes. Uh, Princess Leia portrait is coming. If I was a betting man, I would say it's coming around the May the 4th celebration because the question was asked about it and the answer was just soon. And then they made fun of themselves and put a trademark symbol next to it. Um, so my bet is it, they're planning something for the May the 4th celebration They've already said that. I, I would bet that Leia, the Leia portrait's coming as a part of that or an event that's coming around that time. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think that you know, so people people are getting all annoyed. Like uh, they're being so so uh, just like chipper and so short about <laughs> their, um, you know, like that, that they're like joking about this Princess Leia thing. Like why are you know why are they so insensitive? I saw I saw a video. It was like actually a stream that I saw. Um, and they they were like, man, with all these hardcore nerds, you got to be more sensitive than that about about uh you know princess leia's portrait and you know saying soon the way you did is is just not cool like give yeah like i i don't know i get i get annoyed about these things apparently but um (laughs) you know the the thing is i guess maybe these people didn't have the um have the information but they like they the devs have addressed it a couple times previously about the Princess Leia portrait. And they said that they couldn't do it for, you know, reasons. Like they couldn't really explain it, but they said there's a reason for it, but they're working on it. And so when they said soon, to me, it was like a continuation of the conversation. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, you asked this completely new question that we, you know, have never addressed before. And we're just going to be flippant and, you know, like put you off about it. Like... Right. To me, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's actually going to be coming as soon as we can. And we're going to TM it because we can't say anything more. Right. I Yeah, I saw it as completely self-deprecating humor where they're like, we know we say soon often, but we're going to trademark it, but it's coming soon. Uh, I did not take any offense to it. I also think that the people that are offended that the portrait hasn't been put in the game yet are just being, are looking for reasons to complain about CG. Uh, Because (laughs) anyone that knows how Disney or Lucasfilm or any of the Star Wars associated stuff should know, they don't have 100% 100% control of the content of their of their own game. They basically have to go to EA or not EA. They have to go to whatever boss it is at Star Wars headquarters and say, "Hey, can we do this in our game?" Um in fact, in the question and answer session, somebody said, "How come starwars.com is getting the scoop on you when you're developing the game?" And I saw on Reddit, and I shouldn't go on Reddit, uh, but I saw on Reddit, people were like, honestly saying, they evaded this answer. They didn't give us an answer. When they truly, what they said is, hey, we're partners. Sometimes we have to work in a partnership. That's the way this works. And people were like, they evaded the answer. They didn't tell us. Uh, (laughs) Clearly, they don't even know what's going on in their own game. And it's like, people... How about we're two weeks away from May the 4th, Star Wars, everyone at the Star Wars headquarters has this huge marketing budget and plan, and this game is a part of that plan. Maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> no, I want to be angry, though. Right. It's like... uh, If you're going to be angry, be angry about the Galactic Legend Ray mirror match. Don't be angry that StarWars.com released information before the game did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous, man. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So my favorite, 
answer to a question and answer uh, was, you know, somebody, of course, this happens every time a character is released. Somebody's like, how come Ray isn't a Jedi? And so the first half of the answer was giving this lore reason of why Ray wasn't a Jedi because they took her from the point of time earlier in the movie where she wasn't the Jedi yet. And then the second half of the answer and said, oh, and by the way, Jedi Revan is a leader and he's constantly looking for new Jedi and we didn't want to give him Ray. <laughs> All right, well, at least you were honest there. It's basically the entire reason is because she would just kill everybody in a Jedi Knight Revan team. Yeah, and sometimes the answer just needs to be because it's unbalanced. Right. Like, we, we want them to have a balanced game. Mm -hmm. I also enjoyed the answer where they're like, well, now that we have Boba and Django and Sabine and the Mandalorian, are we going to get a Mandalorian tag? And so they go through this entire explanation of why we're not going to have a Mandalorian tag and then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, Boba and Django aren't Mandalorian. Get your facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I haven't seen any any mention of that. That's oh, funny. It, it, it was almost like it, I, I laughed because so many people give them so much hate that it's fun to see them just give a little dig back. Like, <laughs> you like to, you know, come at us for stupid things. Well, we're going to come right back at you. I wish they would do more of that, frankly. Well, I, I liked it one time. Uh, so you, you always hear, you know, people complain about the communication from CGD, whether it's valid or not. Um, you know, like they, they say that there's no communication or there's less than they want or whatever. And I, I do, I feel that way sometimes too. So I'm not trying to put myself, uh, you know, in a counter role to that, but what I will say, people people say that a lot, and then they go they go and say, "Man, someone needs to fire the community manager, the you know this SB Crumb guy. He's worthless. He sucks. Whatever." And you know, like he's supposed to be talking to us, and he's just not. He needs to, you know, he needs to actually interact with the community and manage the community. And I get that. I get that frustration. The thing I will say though, is. I loved a couple Q and A's ago. People said like, what do you actually do? Like some just pretty disrespectful question. And he's like, all right, son, like, let me tell you. And he just like went off about all the things he did. Like it wasn't like unprofessional. He was just like, let me stop you from being ignorant now. So now you can be angry at me and be irrational about it instead, you know, instead of just having it be this ignorance thing. And he, he gave a lot of like really reasonable, like, okay, like he is doing stuff for the community, which just not all really apparent yeah. to us. Yeah. One of that, they don't communicate enough uh, thing probably angers me the most because when I first started this game, the devs were on Reddit daily. And I mean, they would have two to three answers in posts and in threads on Reddit. Even when it's not like a question, they would just comment. And they were constantly in there. And then it was probably about a year and a half or two years in, Reddit just turned on them. 
And every time they would post, they would get shit on. And so you had the communication in this game. You had people talking to you for a year and a half or two years on a daily basis. And then the mods never stopped the hate on the devs. So it's not like some of the other Reddit forums where posts would get deleted basically immediately if they insult the devs that are coming to uh, talk on the forum. So why would you, if I'm a dev, and every time I say something, there's four or five comments from people saying how bad I suck or how bad my work product sucks or the thing that I actually take pride in and work on on a daily basis is awful. Why would I continue to communicate with you if the number one response I got was negative? Yeah, like you, you give them no incentive to show up. I agree. They used to be on Reddit all the time. And I people would be like, I think you should get fired. Like, yeah. th- you know, I wish you would lose your livelihood because, you know, of some arbitrary thing that probably wasn't even the developer's like fault, really. Like yeah. there's there's so many layers of, you know, responsibility. It's like, uh, my guess, a lot of these devs do play the game. Like a lot of them probably really do hate some of the monetization things and, you know, some of the business practices. I, I'm not saying one way or another, whether, you know, like that they're, you know, all of their business practices are good or whatever. I'm just saying like, I'm guessing that some of them, some of them do object to that, but they're, it's their job. And at the end of the day, it's like, I didn't want to make him quite that powerful, but my boss said I had to, or I'd get fired. And then people are like, you should lose your job because you've made that character so overpowered. And it's like, I did design the character, but I'm just, (laughs) I'm just, you know, they told me from the very start, I have to put Annihilate on Nihilus. Like, you know, that that wasn't my choice. I, I had to build the character around that. We just don't know. They don't tell us that information. Maybe it doesn't go down exactly like that. I don't know. But, you know, people saying things like that and so you show up and you're like man I put all this hard work into it I went toe-to-toe with my boss arguing for something that helps the players and I got it and then I come here and I just get shit on (laughs) and like what what makes them want to come back right I, I, I wouldn't want to well I was I was talking in in one of my chats today I will keep hidden which one um but these two officers in a guild were sitting there saying how the game is boring and the Q and a session did nothing to, you know, make them excited about the game because they didn't announce anything new. And my response to them was the devs should just stop doing these Q and A's because there's never going to be an announcement of what's coming next in these Q and A's. Because that's not what they're for. Uh, the announcements come in the road ahead or the state of the galaxy or individual announcement posts. And when they set this up, they told people that. They said, we're not going to make announcements in Q&As. And then in one of the Q&As, they said, "Announce this isn't the place for announcements. And now people are, you know, videos are being made by certain YouTubers, many YouTubers, I should say, 
people are talking in chats about how no announcements were made during this Q&A, and so that means they're not working on anything in the game, and so the game is dying. I, I, I heard three people say the game's going to be dead within a year because they didn't announce any new content. It's like, did you read the Q&A? Because it actually said in the Q&A, hey, we're working on this fantastic solo game mode. It's coming soon. <laughs> if I was the devs, I would just stop doing the Q&A because everything, uh, every answer I give becomes a negative headline by the people that's supposed to be supporting the game that are the same people that are pissed. Like, oh, my test account got taken away from me. When every day all that happens is they make a negative video about the game. I would have ripped their well, test accounts away from them a year ago. Well, I swear, man. They they say, like, it only hurts the community not to have these test accounts. And I'm like, what use was it in your hands in the first place? Like, <laughs> like, what theory crafting did you do? Yeah, like, one-on-one -on -one tournaments? Cool, man. Like, I don't care. I truly don't care at all about one-on-one -on -one <laughs> tournaments. Like, unless there's some theory craft for like an eventual game mode, you know. Right. I, I'm like, I didn't see a single piece of evidence that they actually used those test accounts for anything that benefited me. Like, I watch the videos that are linked to me that have good theory craft, and usually what I hear is I hear them talk about theory craft that someone else did and they just like got funneled it to them and, and it wasn't even like them using test accounts they're just like oh yeah I'll, you know i'll do this so I, yeah there's I footage from so and so that posted this on youtube and we're using his video yeah i yeah i it's like it hurts the player base well it, yeah. it doesn't because first off i'm a youtuber i know i'm not as successful as them you know they've been around longer and their stuff appeals to more people probably whatever but like why can't i access why can't i have access to this like exclusive club um you know test account like what do i have to do to get access to that because i i would have loved to have access to it and i would have made a lot of videos about that like i would have actually tested things right yeah oh anyway so this <laughs> start of this podcast is all about my pet peeves and annoying people, apparently. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's mostly it from the Q&A. I will also highlight, again, on Reddit in the forums, immediately after the Q&A, people were like, they said that there's no new characters coming up. No, if you actually read the answer... It was specifically about Clone Wars characters. They said there's no new Clone Wars characters coming up because they've moved past that era. So stop saying they have said that there's no new characters coming in the next six months. That's not what they said. Um, <laughs> and finally, every comment about the... They answered so many art questions. Nobody cares about that. For the most part, I agree. I don't care about the art questions. But they answered all these art questions because a ton of art questions were submitted to them. So clearly people do care. It's just you yourself that do not. Yeah, that 
that made me laugh. But like people, because I, I have so many comments that I've read about, you know, on Reddit, on whatever, on all these different places saying, it's so ridiculous. Like, at least they have a good art department. And then they show a, a, an example of some like bad art or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just all negative. But yeah, that, that stuff matters to people. It doesn't matter to me. I, right. I could play a, a much less beautiful game than this and as long as it was recognizable as you know star wars and the characters that i like i don't <laughs> care so yeah whatever but yeah some people do care a lot so i don't yeah. know Maybe. and you know what here's the funny thing the people that do care or for every person that complains about the art or the new ray looks awful they actually gave a legitimate answer to why their graphics look the way they do so if you took the time to read the art questions that you were slamming, you would see they actually gave legitimate answers to those art questions and explained why a game like Raid um, has better graphics than Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. They actually explain in the Q&A why that is. And for the most part, it's because they didn't want to commit the resources to that so they could commit the resources elsewhere which I would rather have them do. But then again, I still go back and play on my old school Nintendo emulator, and I have perfect fun with 8-bit games that have awful graphics. So I'm probably not one to judge when it comes to that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I know I had a friend in college who, you know, he... I'd be like, he'd be like, oh, what's a good game to play? You know, we talk about different games that I used to play, and I, you know, so I'd make a suggestion. He's, he's like, man, I, I looked at it, and those graphics are horrible. I'm not gonna play that. <laughs> and I was like, is it just spoiled? Right. I, you know, whatever. I, I was, it was annoying to me because I, I'm like, I, I came from an era of just pixels. Sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I don't care. Graphics, as long as they get the point across. Yes, sure, I, I would love to have good graphics. I, You know, that's great, but not at the expense of story or gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Um, with that said, we should probably move on to actually talking about Grand Arena now. <laughs> kind of the point of the podcast, I think. <laughs> that, that sounds wise, Solo. You're wise um, beyond your years. <laughs> yes. So, uh, we recently completed round three of Grand Arena. How did you do? Uh, I'm, I'm not used to being asked that question first. Yeah, well, uh, here, we, here we go. I transitioned this time. <laughs> <laughs> the, that was sneaky, Solo. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch you somehow. Um, so my answer is going to be the same anyway. So I, leading up to this, I was 6-0 and oh, undefeated. And I uh, am now 9-0. and I won all three of my matches. So that was great. Um, I had one pretty scary match. My second match, I fought two Galactic Legends. The guy had uh, both Rey and Kylo. Neither of them had the ultimate. One of them, Rey, only had two Zetas. The other one had six. Supreme Leader Kylo had six. Um, and... So that, that was pretty scary. He put them in both in the back zone. And luckily, I had Grand Arena history to tell me that that's generally what he did. So, uh, you know, I used my counters. I, I took my own Supreme Leader Kylo to counter his Ray because I, I can always win that match. Uh, you know, in, in 
on my arena climb, I can I can beat non-ultimate Ray with my non-ultimate Kylo. That that works. And then I use General Skywalker to take out a Supreme Leader. And uh, so it, it went well. I think the thing that the scariest part of that match was uh so you know, he had been pretty inefficient against me and clearing me, but he hadn't failed any attacks because he kept most of his other good squads on offense. So, you know, I needed to go through and not fail any. And then when I finally got to the back, he had put his negotiator fleet on defense. And so the negotiator mirror matches a lot of RNG and just the way the banners played out, because I lost a ton of banners uh, in the two Galactic Legends fights, I needed to get a 62 banner uh, win uh, in fleets and the, the soft max for that if you take all of your reinforcements the soft max is 66 so that that basically means that you can't lose a character you can't lose a ship or you you know it, you can't win so 62 to tie and he would have won the tiebreaker so really I, I needed a 63 or better and so I spent like an hour almost just in ships arena practicing you know my shard kraken actually had the exact same fleet and so i just practiced and uh figured it out and i ended up getting it with with some luck i ended up getting 64 banners and winning by two points so um you know pretty epic pretty exciting match uh, it's all on youtube if you guys feel like checking that out but um otherwise then my my last match and i'll do a video for it it was um it was just it, like I put a I put five meta teams on defense. The only good team that I kept on offense, uh, truly good, was Supreme Leader Kylo. But I didn't even have Malak with him, and normally that's the necessary element. Like it was Supreme Leader Kylo, and then I had Commander Luke and Treya, and then my next best team was like Night Sisters. Like it went downhill pretty fast, and so I, I you know, in the end I didn't fail any attacks and I won. I'll let you guys leave it to your imagination to see exactly how that uh, came about. But it was a good week. And now I have the chance of, you know, the last week is always the hardest, but I have the chance to potentially go 12 and 0 and get a perf another perfect season. So, uh, you know, always great to have that opportunity. I just need to make sure that when I hit join, all of my mods are equipped. <laughs> yes, please do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyways how did you do solo how did how did your week go um it should have gone fantastic instead it just went well uh i finished two and one this week i think that puts that puts me at seven and two overall now uh and honestly the only reason i got the loss is because of my own stupidity I was fighting Geos. I had Thrawn. I was going to pass turn meter to Treya to uh, isolate the Brute. And then my fat finger clicked on Scion instead. And I couldn't get isolate up on Brute. And my Thrawn was killed before he could get a fracture off. And so I ended up getting a loss solely because of because of that, basically. Uh, I, I couldn't salvage that fight. I think it came down to Darth Nihilus versus uh, three of the Geos. And so I was able to take a couple of them out, but I lost the fight. I lost the ra uh, that match, and it put me at two and one 
for the round. Though, the one thing I am excited about that happened this week is I completely redid my defenses. And since I've done them, they have stopped my opponents basically in their tracks. Uh, This is the perk of having a Galactic Legend. (laughs) And yes, I put my Galactic Legend Ray with Malik because even though it's an abomination, it limits the counters that can counter it. And uh, so my other teams are getting defenses, even though my Ray is getting one shot. My other teams are defending because having to use both Jedi Knight Revan and General Skywalker in the same team just kills uh, an opponent's offense. So I'm very excited for that, at least. It's going to be a weird landscape once everyone has Galactic Legends and they have their ultimates, because that, that time is coming. It's not going to be for a few more months, but you know, at, at this point, I had, a, I had an opponent. For, uh, maybe it was like the first match of this week, actually. I had an opponent with a six-star General Skywalker, and I was, like, dumbfounded by it. Like, no offense to my opponent. I, uh, you know, truly, I appreciate that, you know, they didn't, they're clearly not very into Grand Arena, but they actually deployed a defense and participated, like, uh, you know, they took their thrashing. (laughs) Gosh, brutal. But, uh, you know, he had a six-star General Skywalker, and I was dumbfounded you should absolutely play how you want to. And if that means not farming General Skywalker immediately, that's fine. Totally good. Uh, So no judgment, like I said, but like the fact that I was dumbfounded by it, it just means that it it was, it was just, it's so uncommon because everyone has that. And, (laughs) you know, in two or three, or maybe it'll be six months, maybe it'll be a long time from now. Eventually everyone will have, everyone that you and I face at the top end, at least solo, um, everyone's going to have two galactic legends with both ultimates and all six Zetas. Like that's just going to be an assumption going into the match instead of it being like, Oh man, maybe they'll have zero. Maybe they'll have one, maybe they'll have both. And I'm screwed. Like you just right now, the landscape is so shaky about galactic legends in month in a few months time it's just going to be commonplace again it will be and i'm very curious to see how that plays out because like i said to counter these teams you are essentially ripping apart um at least two of your teams and in my case using the jedi knight revan counter would rip apart three of my teams um so when everyone has these Galactic Legends, and everybody has two. Well, I guess when everybody has two, you put Ray on defense, you put, you take Supreme Leader Kylo to kill their Ray, and then if you face a Kylo, you know, that's what General Skywalker's for. But it's going to be very interesting kind of leading up to that. And it almost makes your second Galactic Legend more important than your first. Yeah, well, it's a race now. I mean, so a lot of the guys I'm facing are either they already have a Galactic Legend or they will have one very soon. Like, I expect my final group to have 
you know, like seven out of eight players with a galactic legend of some sort. Yeah, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be L eight or maybe it'll be a little less. But you know, at, at my GP level at six point two million, I, I expect that I will face a lot of Galactic Legends, and that's fine. No complaints. But uh, everyone will have that. The question is, you know, I faced that guy with two Galactic Legends, and he did not have a wonderful roster other than those two, and. Uh, you know, he was—he didn't have a huge lifetime banners. Like I, I was—I should have won that match. If you just look at, you know, overall rosters and playing skill, you know, and that's not a slam on my opponent. I, I just think it's—it's it's good to be able to realize these things. The fact is, though, that second Galactic Legend made the match so much closer than it normally probably <laughs> would have been. Yeah. Um... These Galactic Legends, <laughs> you know, I hate to say people are buying their way to the top, but you and I help somebody that last Grand Arena, I think he was 7-5, and five, or he was, he was close to 500. He got this Galactic Legend right now, and he's 7-2 and two at the moment, and he's legitimately pissed that he's losing. And he's beating people with double the mods he has. Um, so th this whole Galactic Legend figuring it out kind of time frame, I guess you would say, is really, it, it's really interesting to watch. And I think it's honestly sorting out the truly skilled players from the just good rosters. Because the truly skilled players are beating the Galactic Legends, while the just good rosters aren't getting full clears. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. Um, it, it, is, it is just a strange mass of confusion right now of, you know, <laughs> who's practicing their counters, because these counters are truly strange. Like, they, you, you they have... Are. You have some really weird hodgepodge things. It's like Darth Revan with Gen Ocean Brood Alpha, and you know Watt, and you have to you have to take all these different steps. You know, develop your roster and your mods all you know all this certain way, uh, and practice. And then there's all these different uh, team comps that it's like, well, that doesn't actually counter that version of Ray, so we have to use something else. Uh, so it can be it can be pretty confusing. Um, but what it's showing me is, you know, I run Territory Wars on my alt for uh, the guild that me and Solo are in. So Solo runs it jointly, I should say. But, um, you know, I recently posted a team that is that we're going to start using as, you know, developing as a counter team to Ray. And I got a bunch of messages saying either like, I'm not even close to that and I'm not going to work on it. Or, you know, some other people would, are saying like, oh yeah, I can, I can probably work on that. What about, you know, they're actually offering suggestions on maybe, you know, alternative ways to do that team. And it does separate, it's, it's, it really, it's telling, you know, who's interested in, you know, truly pursuing this competitive edge and who just, who doesn't care? And, and if you don't care about PvP, that's fine. That's totally fine. I don't, I don't care that you don't care. But it is an interesting thing to watch it all unfold. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it's funny because 
between the two of us, we probably hit all three levels of Territory War Guild, where your main account obviously is in a very good Territory War Guild. Um, then your yeah. alt and my main account are in our guild. And we actually, you know, we're not in the upper echelon, but we can beat guilds and we can do good things in this guild. Then my alt is in a guild, same GP level as my main. Uh, And the players just don't have any counters. It's like in, in my main guild, people actually have the CLS counter, the GAS, not everybody, not probably not even half, but people in the guild have it. I brought that up in my alt guild, <laughs> this one of these past territory wars, and people are like, CLS counters GAS? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I see, I see how this is going to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's and, that's like funny you, said, you didn't tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, they they've always been set up to be – more focus on territory battles and the rewards on territory battles. And, um, you know, they just haven't been a TW guild and they're not a PVP guild. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just funny to see the kind of difference between, (laughs) between the two guilds at the same GP. It's extremely frustrating for me at times because obviously I do like PVP type stuff. But to just sit back and see the two guilds, and we actually, um, the two guilds fought the same guilds recently in Territory War, and the results were so completely different. It was, uh, it, it was fun to watch. That is, that is really amusing. And, you know, frankly, people, there, there needs to be guilds that have a more interest in PvP and less, like, Honestly, you, you say that my main guild has is good at PvP and that's that's kind of almost undershooting it. Like they're they're like rabid about <laughs> PvP. Like yeah. you know, we I generally think that PvP is pretty great in this game. That's that's the reason I play it. I don't like arena exactly, but you know, the I like Grand Arena and I like Territory Wars. Um and they're they're like hardcore to the point where I'm not saying I'm going to quit or something, but it's like a substantial time investment sometimes for me just to keep up with them. Like normally I'm the one who's like, come on guys, you got to work on these counters. You got to work, you know, develop these characters. And, and in this guild, I'm like, I hope I can keep up. These guys are crazy. Well, I remember when you first joined them, uh, you know, you sent me a message of, you know, I want to work on X, Y, and Z tune but I just joined this guild and they told me I have to, I forget, I think it was General Grievous and, or his team. And so I have to get magnets of this and I have to do this and I have to do that before we even start. And I was like, Oh God, thank God I didn't join you with my main. (laughs) You know, I, the thing is they make sensible suggestions for PVP, certain things, you know, and, and, you know, they, they weren't actually being unreasonable. The, The fact is like, you walk in and they say, okay, like our number one rule is 100% participation on everything. That means 
everyone like they wait for a long time to start deploying in territory battles because everyone is expected it's expected that there's going to be 50 out of 50 attacks on every different node and that's if if they if you make that as your stipulation to, at the very start and people agree to it then great you know I, and so i'm i'm good with it and with that level of investment, the second I'm not, uh, I can leave and someone else will be happy to take that sure. spot. So, yeah. you know, not not unreasonable, but it, it is it is a pretty big time sink at times. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we have seen every range. And then my alt guild, those guys are great. Uh, my alt, my previous guild for my alt, those guys are great. Um, significantly more casual, though, and... Yeah, I I, really, I truly have seen the full range between you and I. We have a pretty good full spectrum view of of the guild uh, PvP situation. I think. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, anyways, let's let's move to our next segment here, yeah. uh, which which is the podcast questions. So, uh, you know, people people we encourage people to ask us questions on our Discord server. There's a channel devoted to people asking these questions and then we answer them on the podcast. Um, and uh, let's see, I think we had a pretty big, uh, like someone came in and asked like a whole, whole like stories worth of questions. So our paragraphs worth. So uh, let's see the first one here. Uh, so defense mods. Uh, let's see, found the podcast about a month ago. Great. Listen, thank you guys. Thank you. Um, I have a bunch of defense mods and have always been intrigued by the benefit the bonus can have on a character. Also the same with using a primary defense mod. Uh, a few weeks ago, you mentioned defense mods were, are great with certain characters. Basically, which tanks slash support or general characters are great for defense mods? Which of these are best compared to using a tenacity or health set? Is it specific to a certain defense slash armor rating? Um, the short answer is if you search Reddit for defense mods, somebody did a way, way over the top analysis of when to use defense mods and when to use health mods. And I don't have that pulled up. I should have had it pulled up here um, to give him credit because it's just like this detailed math analysis. Uh, but the way I generally break it down is if there's something in the kit or the kit of the team I'm going to use where health would be more beneficial, like say General Kenobi on a Padme team, uh, the protection up is based on the health, so it makes sense that you want to put as much health as possible on him. Um, and so someone like him is using health. Otherwise, I prefer defense mods over health mods to almost all the tanks unless their kit specifically asks for something else. Uh, so if you name a tank, it's probably going to be defense mods. The only other exception, and you said tenacity, so I'll bring that up, is somebody like uh, Zalbar or even Bosk at times. Um, you don't want them to get the uh, buff immunity placed on them so that they can't taunt. And so a lot of people mod Zalbar for high tenacity and 
I don't have him that way, but at the same time, I really can't argue with anyone that has him that way. If you're using him on one of your good teams and you want to go full tenacity and make his survivability a little lower, I think that's perfectly valid as well. Uh, what do you think, Zareth? Yeah, uh, you know, the math. So I, I can understand why people want to put health sets on. And, and like Solo said, there are a lot of characters whose kits really like to have health. Like, for instance, Django. Um, if, you know, you probably want crit damage, and maybe you want crit chance as your second, uh, you know, your lesser pair. But uh, like Django specifically has in his kit, he has an extra, what, 50% health. So... Like, it, he benefits specifically from health, so health mods. Uh, or Padme Squad wants all health mods. Uh, and and you, the attraction to those also is is just, um, you, you see a tangible uh, bonus. You're like, oh, look at that. I'm getting, you know, these these health set mods are giving, a, giving me like 20,000 health, or that's probably too much, but um, they're giving me uh, an actual tangible thing as opposed to, like one of my complaints really about armor is what does it, what exactly is the interaction between that and like offense and, uh, you know, armor penetration and all of this stuff, like there, it's all just kind of nebulous, but you know, the, the math of it is like a defense set is just better in, in almost every situation than health set. If you're going for a tank defense set is the way to go. And in fact, uh, I, I recently watched or read a thing that uh, someone was doing this analysis that said that uh, for primary stats, you you are generally going to benefit more from a defense primary or a health primary than protection primary. Uh, I believe and, that. And they and they back, they backed it up with some numbers, and I it was pretty interesting to see their conclusions though because. Uh, like everyone's always like, oh, really? My triangles defense uh, primary that sucks, and I, I've been in that same boat. I still have that reaction, in fact. But I think that's a little outdated at this point. I think that even though it's hard, it's like, man, I'm losing eight thousand protection from by putting this, and I'm only gaining like, you know, three percent armor, whatever that is. Like, the the math checks out. So I think. In general, I think my my rule going into it is uh, like if I have a good defensive defense primary mod, I'm going to treat it on equal footing, basically. Unless it's a specific character who wants specific things, uh, I'm going to treat it as equal to protection. Right. Yeah, and I'm about the same with that. In fact, I think I have to check. I think I actually gave my fives. Um, a defense cross rather than a protection cross because I found it to make him more survivable. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, it's just hard to notice too. Like for me, at least I have a hard time telling when something is having an impact on, on it. Like sometimes, sometimes you're like, Oh, I put an offense set on B1 instead of speed set. And you know, holy cow, the, that damage is, you know, noticeable, the, the damage change. It, and it is really, you know, cer certain changes. I struggle, though, to see like, oh, look at that. Like, he's more survival survivable now. He, he, he took one extra hit, you know. <laughs> right. 
it's, it's just hard for me to tell what impact they're having. I'm more focused on what the health of my opponent's uh, characters are usually. So I, I don't know, it, but there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time and effort on these analyses. And frankly, I, I've learned to start trusting that because they don't have any, they don't have any reason to lie a lot of times. Like, they're just doing it out of love for the game and passion for something that they like to do. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, we can move on to the next question. Uh, question two, what is the current consensus on how matchmaking, I'm assuming works, on how matchmaking and, oh, and how much of your account's GP is used in calculating for matchmaking? Is it still the top 80 tunes? What about ship GP? <laughs> That's a very good question, and I cannot tell you. I have no clue. Um, I can tell you. I pulled up my... I have a comparison of all eight people in my last pod, um, and it looks as if this past one was we were matched up based on the top 65 tunes that we have because uh, we're all for that stat we're all between 1.716 million and 1.722 million so we're within 0 0.006 of each other for the top 65 tunes if you look at the top 80 there's a wider margin there um, and then ships, God, there's, you know, a huge difference in our ship, uh, GP. So I think right now with this current grand arena of 5v5 with ships, it looks like just from my very small sample size of just my last pod that it is your top 65 tunes. And that's for division one. Uh, I have no clue when you get to division two or a division that uses less, uh, less teams. So, uh, and what Solo said, you know, what you're saying here, Solo is right. I, I do want to just add just a tiny bit of context for those of, uh, those of our listeners who don't necessarily know how the matchmaking works. Um, what the game does, they, you know, the algorithm they use, they, they take uh, the number of characters that you presumably can use on offense and defense. And uh, they, so, so like if we're using just 5v5 with no ships, that means in division one, you're going to have eight squads on offense, eight squads on defense, uh, potentially, uh, you know, probably more on offense available, but they take those top 80 characters that you could be using 40 for offense, 40 for defense, they take those G that GP and use that GP to match you with other people who have, you know, whose top 80 is close to yours. So that takes into account relic levels, uh, gear level, all of all of that stuff. You know how many Zetas you have, and it gives you a, a match. So, um, you know, it's a little bit bizarre because once you get into so when you do 5v5 no ships it is the top 80 tunes i think that that's pretty definitive at this point uh, no ships are taken into account i think that 
theoretically ships are supposed to be taken into account, but I think that it's been shown that they aren't in, in the ships. What they do, they just take the top 65 characters, which doesn't make as much sense. Like it should be the top 70, I think, because we only have uh, two fewer squads that we could technically use. But for whatever reason, 65 is the thing for uh, 5v5 with ships in uh in division one and uh, you know it's downsized scaled back for other divisions who use fewer squads but um it's pretty consistent but honestly like solo said like he he ran that comparison right out the gate like immediately when he got his matchups he ran it and all of the top 65 tunes uh matched up so you know we talk a lot about uh, matchmaking and everything on this show. And a lot of it has to do with like, if you put a ton of relics on your top 65, then you're going to end up having really tough matches. Uh, you know, if you don't develop more than 65 characters, you're going to, you're going to have some struggles. You're not going to have as versatile of a roster, et cetera. So uh, this isn't the time to necessarily talk about it, but matchmaking is a bit, pretty big consideration for success in grand arena. Like if, if you construct your GP in a way that like your, your roster isn't compared or isn't prepared for your, your grand arena fights can, are, are going to be really rough potentially. Yes. <laughs> yes, they can be. Um, yeah. All right. So the next question here is, uh, the short version is how can you approach roster efficiency for GAC within the context of the new hyperdrive bundle accounts? And specifically in the question, it's um, pointed out that on this person's shard, it looks like the basically the top 200 people on his shard are hyperdrive people. So how does he compete in arena but also take Grand Arena matchmaking into account. Uh, and that is a really tricky thing because, uh, so for my alt, I don't care about my arena, really. Like, I care about ships because I get more crystals in ships and it's easy to hold my spot. Like, I, a lot of times I just go into my battle and out and get top 10. It's easy enough. Like, I don't even fight. I just exit out get the daily and move on. Uh, but I don't care about my arena score. However, a lot of people do care about how many crystals they get every day. It's reasonable. My main account, I do do that. But I was able to develop a pretty robust roster before Grand Arena came out. Um, uh, trying to trying to balance the, the GP, it, it can be really tricky. I, I know that one of my, my buddies who talks about uh, like efficiency and he you know he's gotten top 10 a couple times uh, you know in, in division one what he, he says he calls relic five his relic seven <laughs> like he doesn't get anyone he doesn't have a single character past relic five and you know it keeps your it keeps the banners that or that rather the gp that you gain from the last two relic levels is pretty big compared to the other steps and it doesn't necessarily add, it doesn't add anything to the mechanics. You just hit a little harder and you are a little more resilient. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I had, if I was in the place of, you know, 
could I really stand to put General Skywalker only up to Relic 5? I'm, I'm not sure I have that in me, frankly. Like, <laughs> he seems like a tune that needs to be Relic 7, frankly. So, but, but I think that that is how you need to be approaching it. it. You need to get Arena Squad. Like, Arena comes first because you need those crystals. But you don't... I know Solo and I, when Relics came out, we ran Darth Revan. Or at least I did. I don't, I don't know, actually, about Solo. Um, I ran Darth Revan at Relic 1 and his whole squad at Gear 13 Relic 1 for months even, and beat, beat characters, beat entire squads that were all Relic 7. You don't need Relic 7 on all of your guys. It, it looks great in Arena, but you don't need that. You, you, you just frankly don't. It makes it nicer, make, maybe a little smoother, but I almost never lost those matches. You know, as long as you have the right mods and the right, the right setup, uh, you can make do with way fewer relics. And the lower the relics you have, and the more gear you do have uh, spread out around your character, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, um, I. Uh, what was it on my alt account? I had Darth Revan and his team at R three, and on my main account, I had him at R four. And then, currently on my alt account. I don't have a single clone above R5 at the moment, and I'm beating all the R7 clone teams. It just, <laughs> it does admittedly take one extra time of uh, the opposing General Skywalker kneeling down because I basically barely get through fives, then I stand up, sit down, then I get through Rex and Echo, stand up, sit down, and then I get through Ark. But other than a longer fight, it I've noticed no difference. So um, that's a long way of saying when you're looking to manage your GP, I think the best advice is do what you have to to stay successful in arena and don't do more than that. And you know, sometimes you're going to have to give R7 to tunes. Like General Skywalker, he's an R7 tune, um, especially now that he's being used in counters for other stuff. Kenobi, Jedi Knight, Anakin, and uh, Ahsoka, they're R7 tunes because of Fleet Arena. If you don't have them at R7, you know, you're you're not going to be finishing first in Fleet Arena. So, those are high GP ads, but they're necessary high GP ads. So just to make sure that you're looking at the distinction between, say, for the hyperdrive bundle, is this going to be necessary to compete or is this just fluff? And if it's just fluff, you can ignore it. But if it's necessary and you can afford it, specifically with the hyperdrive bundle, um, then go for it and don't worry about your GP. And the hyperdrive bundle, if just just throwing it out there, we've talked about it before, but you know, I know that some people don't want to spend. Totally fine, not no whatever, but no pressure. But if you do want to spend a hundred bucks on the game, you can't find a better uh, thing to spend a hundred bucks on. Hyperdrive bundle is hands down the best pack they've ever sold for a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, easy. So. Uh, 
you know, if it's a question of worthiness, I mean, I can't answer that for anyone. It, what do you want to spend a hundred bucks on? If it's the game, if you want to spend a hundred on the game, which, you know, I think is worth it, you know, sometimes then yeah, I, I would highly advise that. But uh, all right, this last question here. All right, you have sold me on Mother Talzin being the better lead for Night Sisters in smart Grand man. Arena. <laughs> What's that? Said smart man. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, I have already added the leader Zeta to Asajj. Adding the leader Zeta to Mother will I increase my top 80 GP. Do you think advantage uh, Mother lead has over Asajj is worth the GP investment? I closely manage my GP as to gain as much advantage in GAC as possible since I don't have a galactic legend and will not for several months. Uh, my answer to this one is yes. Talzin and Night Sisters are so, they're kind of like my Swiss army knife at this point where, uh, you know, I mainly use them to counter geos in an emergency Talzin lead can counter General Grievous for me. She can counter Newt teams. She can counter uh, uh, Ray or Jedi training Ray teams. Uh, even even bounty hunter teams yeah. that or don't CLS. have. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. they truly are a Swiss Army knife. And sorry to uh, kind of take over that solo. I I just agree. Like, uh, I I resisted for a long time. I had the Asajj Zeta and it sucks and I didn't want to but it's a functionality thing too like if you just want to put them on defense and that's all which I don't really advise these days but if you do uh, then maybe Asajj lead is fine frankly like it's Night Sisters people are going to use the same counters regardless of if it's Asajj or Mother Talzin lead but maybe they shouldn't uh, they, because certain counters don't work as well against Talzin but on offense if you're using them Talzin opens the door to so many different counters. She just does. So, yeah. in my opinion, that that Zeta is worth it. Unfortunately, you have to pay that extra price. But um, if I have to live with owning the Grandmaster Yoda Zeta, then, <laughs> then you can live with having both. And the Asajj Zeta, it might end up being amazing anyways in raids later down the line. Yeah, absolutely. So, and she's not a pilot or anything, so it's only going to add 2,000 to your GP. So it's not, um, you know, it is a boost to your GP, but I, I wouldn't say it's a huge boost to the GP. So in a cost-benefit analysis, the benefits are much, much higher than the GP cost. Uh, that, it's basically like adding two relic levels to your squad. Yeah. You know, the math-wise. Math and... I get it. Two, two relic levels is actually significant, especially when you're trying to hypermanage your GP. But uh, in this case, it's a matter of functionality. It's like, will your squad work or will it <laughs> not? You know, in my opinion, it's it's like if you want the squad to be good, then you get that Zeta because that it just opens the doors to so many things. Right. Um. Anyways, we so 
We have, we each have alts. We've mentioned them a few times already in this episode solo. And uh, we also play Grand Arena with them because why would you have an alt and not play Grand Arena on it? I don't understand. So uh, how did you do with your alt solo? Uh, I was actually surprised. I went two and one. So on my alt now, I'm seven and two as well. The past two weeks, I have faced annoying just straight efficiency matches where they put down a just bad defense and then it's who can score more points. Last week, I won the championship by a score of 1936 to 1931. Um, this week, I lost banners on fleet and it angered me. Um, but so... I end up losing the championship 1931 to 1929. Uh, it sucks to do that well and lose. But other than that, my first couple of rounds uh, went really well. And I played well overall. 1929 is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, I just unfortunately lost. That but, is unfortunate. Yeah, 1929 yeah. is like in the safe zone. I usually think of like normally people aren't going to get higher than that. Right. Uh, unfortunately that was not the case this time, but it's my all. I did absolutely zero prep beforehand. If I did and saw, you know, what type of player it was, if I had scouted ahead of time, I probably could have scored the soft max, <laughs> um, but I didn't because it's my alt. So it is what it is. I know. I, I've been making alt videos every uh, time, and I just record them live so people can hear my ramblings as I'm going through my butchery. And, uh, like, late, lately people have not been attacking before me on my alt, and I still just post the video anyways. I'm like, <laughs> people might recognize me by the name of the alt because it's Zareth's alt. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I know I'm not famous, but I know that I, I know that I'm known enough that some people may recognize me. And so it, it's a very real possibility that someone's going to recognize that, you know, they can just see what my roster has or, you know, what I've taken for offense and defense and whatever. And I, I still just post it and I show everyone my full defense in those videos. No, no secrets. So. And and someone did ask me like, why do you why do you do that? Why do you put yourself in that heart in harm's way? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I want to win with my alts, but if I lose, usually the game usually I'm like logging in to do my dailies, and it sends me a notification that I won. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> like I don't like look right away. You know, I'm not tapping my foot for them to attack or anything. Yeah, I I play my alt just because the coming up with the strategy to clear them is fun. Um, obviously, I want to win, and I try and win. Uh, I, I do undersized when I have to. If I attack second, I will calculate the banners to uh, try and get the win. But at the same time, it's my all. I, you know, and... I'm also at the point on my alt, and I was at this point prior to attacking where I just have to full clear and I'll make Kyber. 
full clear the next three rounds. I, I could go 0-3 next week and still easily make Kyber. So that also took away some of the the drive on that account. Right. Well, yeah, it's like I already achieved my objective, and now I get to play Grand Arena for free, and it's fun. Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that being said, I do try on my alt. I, I try... I try in the moment. I don't. I don't scout because, frankly, I do so much scouting on my main. I, it, it would kill me. I would burn out if I tried to do it on my alt. My alt is for fun, and it's to showcase. Like I, I've had a lot of people say they like my alt videos, uh, just because it's way more relevant to where they're at in the game and the teams that they have. And so you know, it's Division Three now, and. I just had someone request that I start a new account. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know, man. That that seems like a lot of work. But uh, I I might though. We'll see. I, maybe once this COVID stuff clears up. But um, for my own alt week, the I went three and zero again. So I'm at nine and zero. Uh, Division three has been really kind to me. Uh, just you know, being at the bottom of the GP scale and having a roster with I only have one character at relic three maybe like one character at relic two and the rest are relic one or they're just gear 12 like so just pretty shallow but I have a ton of gear 12 teams like it it's a pretty good place to be you know kind of that hyper efficient uh top whatever gp consideration for matchmaking I haven't really faced anyone that gave me much trouble in fact in the finals this week uh, I failed my first attack this season. So I haven't failed a single attack on any team this entire season until the finals where I used my uh, General Grievous squad against their pretty well-developed Padme squad. And I, I had to end up two-shotting their Padme. Um, just couldn't quite do enough damage to get through all of their health. Pretty well modded, actually. Um, so failed that attack, but then they... They didn't really have that many teams on offense, and I don't think their fleet could have actually beat mine. I don't think any combination of their ships could have come close to scratching Negotiator in the back. So, uh, you know, that was nice. But I guess in the end, they didn't, they didn't even attack. So, or maybe they did, and I didn't see the score. I, I just got the notification that they ended with their starting banners, you know, their defensive team banners. So, uh didn't end up mattering that much, but uh, good so far. Both accounts, 9 and 0. I have the chance, the opportunity to go for a double perfect season, which would be really cool. Nice. That would be. Yeah, it's exciting times, and eventually I'm, I'm working. I have, I'm gear 8 on most of the characters I need to unlock Darth Revan. So, working on that. That'll be good. Then eventually I can unlock Darth Malak and make the crucial decision of which of the uh, five-star unlock characters, what are they called, epic confrontation characters, do I seven-star and which do I leave at five-star? Because I have enough, I have enough uh, GET1 to get one of them to seven-stars, but, and I, I'm going to unlock both of them pretty soon, so... I, I don't know. Thinking about that, maybe, maybe that's a discussion we should have 
on this podcast sometime which one is better to uh to gear up first or to star up first which the benefits so uh probably don't have time for that today uh but let's actually move on to our penultimate segment which is what are we doing to get ready for grand arena we're finally semi-free of uh of the requirements to work on grand galactic legends eventually we'll both jump into it but right now i know we're both working on side projects uh solo what have you been doing this week to get ready oh it felt so good i uh got raised ultimate earlier this week which means i can actually start farming things again um so i used that new energy to set me up to get watt to g13 and then r4 because he's been sitting at 12 plus 5 for the longest time. And then I also got Nest up to R6. And she will go up to R7 soon. I just wasn't able to do it before the GA lock. Um, and she was like what, where I just needed one piece to get her up. And luckily, I got that piece. And so uh, I can feel good headed into Grand Arena because I actually worked on my roster. I'm like, most weeks it's during this galactic ray ticket farm uh where i felt like i worked on nothing well, and that feels good to actually feel like you're making progress on your roster oh it does i've i felt like my roster is stagnated for the past month it's so good to actually be able to work on something on it yeah, I know. I I put I put Relic 3 on my Triumvirate last week. I think I talked about it in the pod uh, last week, but it just felt nice. to. I was <laughs> like, I upgraded a character that wasn't First Order. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like you get shocked when you do it the first time back, and you're like, man, I, I haven't done this in literally over a month. Yeah, it, so it, it feels good. Yes. Uh, what, what's next for you? Uh, well, I still have to get L3 up to G13. And then from there, it's going to be L3, Jedi Knight Revan, and Thrawn. I want to get those three to G13. All three of them are only missing one piece, so it's, I, I'm just going to be farming the finishers. Uh, and then with after that, I will finally move on to first order again. Fair enough. That's exciting. It's exciting yeah. to, yeah, to, it's exciting to have side projects that are actually um, not completely irresponsible to be working on. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you mentioned the Sith trio. What else have you worked on in the past week? Uh, so, honestly, not not a huge number of things. I, I'm planning on gearing up uh, the new, what's his name, Grief Karga, the new bounty hunter. I'll, I'll work on him before Locke. I don't know if I'll actually use him, but, you know, I'll, I'll get him up to gear 11. I think I have the, the uh, resources to do that. And otherwise things I've been working on. Uh, I got Watt finally, finally. That this is the this is how desperate I was to get my Galactic Legend. I 
waited for over a month after I got Watt up to seven stars. I waited for over a month to get him to gear 13, which normally he would be a character I got to gear 13 the minute the territory battle round ended. Like, Same. you know, just instantly. But yesterday, actually Solo and I did it almost simultaneously, like within the same 24-hour time period. Um, we both got Watt up to relic for because you know you, you want to get him his relics for speed for survivability for everything um but then relic four is kind of the sweet spot for him so he's uh he's the only one really that i put relics on other than the trio which maybe that was this week maybe that was last week i i don't remember exactly um and uh, otherwise i'm just going to be putting I, I hate the the bloat that keeps being a theme in this discussion today um, but I, I'm putting a lot of relics on my counters to Galactic Ray and Galactic Kylo because uh, those characters need you, you just you need more damage and you need more survivability more hit points against those guys and you get that once you're gear 13 you get that from maybe modding but primarily from uh, relics so I am bloating my roster. I'm I'm getting harder matchups, but uh, that's. I also don't want to get stuck against a galactic legend. That that's no fun. So, that's that's what I've done. In addition to failing some more of my ultimate missions, um, I'm at six. I'm at six out of ten now. So hopefully next week I'll have some good news for everyone. Hopefully, and make sure you use the right team. Because the devs have said you're not. I've been using my a team of my own device, and I've had way more success by <laughs> just figuring it out on my own. I did fail one time with it, but I think I've I'm at the point where I've gotten four from doing it my own way and only failing it once. That's a way better ratio than the the previous. So yes. Uh, anyways, that's that's it for this week. Other than we do have some resources, you know, we we love Grand Arena. We do, we we are passionate about it. In fact, and uh, we have a bunch of resources that we think are pretty neat for for the player base. You know, places for people to come and hang out and talk about Grand Arena. Places for them to lurk and just find answers that they have questions to. Uh, you know ways to be entertained in these long uh, periods of isolation that we're all having. And Solo has proven to be the most adept at explaining those things. So Solo, could you please explain to these poor listeners what things they can do uh, to access all of our amazing free content? <laughs> uh well, Jareth has already pimped the Discord channel, so I won't go over that again. The link will be in the description below. If you're on Spotify or iTunes or can't get to the description of the podcast, search one of us on YouTube. My name is SoloBase15, S-O-L-O-B-A-S-S-1-5. Zareth is X-A-E-R-E-T-H. Um, and you will get to one of our videos, and we have all the links in our videos. Um, then the videos, I should say, are we record all of our Grand Arena fights so you can watch how we approach each uh, 
each round. And then we will timestamp the videos and we'll put them on a counter sheet, which is a Google Doc. And that counter sheet will show you the full team that we fought. So the leader and all four members after the leader will show you the full team we've countered them with. So again, the leader and all the other members of the team. And then we place the timestamp link next to that so you can actually watch the fight. You will see how strong of a fight it is. And you will see what steps we actually took to counter. Uh, and actually, we both do a pretty good job of explaining why we're taking the steps as well. And so that's probably the most useful tool that we have because it will help you every round in Grand Arena to find a counter. So we even put some of the fun, funky looking teams that you never expect to see ever again. We may have seen it and can show you the counter. So with that said, I think it is time to bid adieu. I think that as well. I almost said, I think that too, but that would have rhymed. <laughs> it would have. It might have made it uh, sound more clever. <laughs> it might have, but I went a different direction. So <laughs> no regret. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We will be back with another podcast next week. And we'll both have videos out, well, probably shortly after this, because I'm literally uploading my alts video right now. And Zareth, you usually publish a video after we do this as well. Yep, it'll be from my phone, but it'll be epic nonetheless, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So have a good night, everyone. All right. Have a good, good night. Thanks for joining, everyone.